Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, WTIC-FM and WTIC.com. Aaron Kupek with you on this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Tim Phelan, president of the Connecticut Retail Merchants Association, as the busy holiday shopping season is underway now. Good morning to you, sir. Uh, Good morning, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Well, the Retail Merchants Association is a trade group. Give us an idea of the interests you represent. Sure. We're, uh, as you mentioned, a a trade group. We're statewide. We have membership uh, from all parts of Connecticut. We are the voice of the retail industry at the the state capitol. And in the marketplace, we have uh, some of the world's largest retailers, all the national multi-state retailers you see throughout Connecticut. And we have a whole host of state and local retailers, some um, small uh, mom-and-pop shops and a couple of, um, you know, uh, larger in-state Connecticut retailers. So, we run uh, full-scale service. <clears throat> Numbering roughly how many in all? We have about 3,000 members included in our uh, association, but we like to say we represent all types of retailers all the time. So whether they're members or not, we're representing them. Just brick-and-mortar stores or some online retailers as well as, as things evolve? No, well, we haven't evolved that much. We're still brick-and-mortar retailers. Uh, there are some uh, um, online retailers that are becoming uh, uh, more uh, interested in working with uh our types of trade associations, but we haven't had any of them just yet. And we'll get into that a little later in the program. But since holiday shopping is now underway, give us your outlook for the the season. Is it going to be good? Well, we think so. We think we're um, heading into for a good um, holiday season uh, this year. We think that, you know, consumer confidence is a little bit, a little bit better. We know that we know for certain the stock market is um, humming along and, uh, legislature, thankfully, has finished uh, with their uh, budget issues uh, for the year. And, um, you know, we think that headwinds are in our favor for a strong um, holiday season. How important is consumer confidence in ensuring a good holiday shopping season? Well, we think it's critical. I mean, you you know, uh, consumers are the backbone of uh, the, obviously, of the holiday season. If they're not confident and um, uh, sort of uh, enthusiastic about shopping, uh, then we're going to see the results of that. But this year, we we have a good sense that um, consumer confidence is better than it's been. Uh, they seem to be willing, consumers are, are willing and ready to go out and um, do some holiday shopping. So we expect this year uh, that they will. And again, you know, consumer confidence is key. So we have to be ready for that. And we think um, uh, we are. We think our, our members are um, have the products. They're ready to go. And uh, now we just have to, you know, build momentum off of this weekend and and um, all the way right through to the new year. What are some of the tools that retailers have in their toolbox to entice consumers into their stores? <laughs> well, they use every tool they can, and so that includes all types of different type of advertising and promotions, including uh, you know now a lot more on social media platforms that they hadn't had before. Uh, but then they'll also do traditional advertising as well. They'll do they'll do radio and television spots. They'll do some news, newspaper spots, and they'll get 
as I mentioned earlier, they'll get on Facebook and they'll do Instagram and other Snapchats and other types of, you know, um, social media as well to try to entice customers to come in. They'll also do uh, promotions uh, along with the advertisements. So they'll have, um, you know, they may have some sales that'll take place um, you know, throughout the holiday season. And forget, don't forget, the holiday season begins, you know, sort of kicks off with, um, you know, Black Friday, but it ends really, you know, through the new year, through uh, New Year's Eve all the way up to the end of the of the new year. So uh, during that period of time, there'll be times when uh, retailers will have promotions, sales, uh, to kind of entice customers to come back in. So it's a longer season than people sometimes think. For some shoppers, Black Friday is really a sport. They love getting out there and getting the bargains. But it seems in recent years it's not quite as big as it used to be, and retailers have kind of spread things out maybe? I think that's a lot of factors involved in that. I think um, um, you know, dealing with customer demand, first of all, maybe the, the demand for that Black um, Friday you know, event as it used to used used to be, maybe you know, five or ten years ago, isn't as great, and that consumers want to spend uh, more time, um, sort of stretching out their their holiday shopping season. I think um, dealing with internet sales, uh, brick and mortar retailers having to deal with every single day on internet, uh, online retailers uh, never take a day off. You can buy something online whenever you want. Has also forced retailers to sort of change. Uh, the way they approach customers around, particularly around the holiday season. So a couple of different factors have led to that. Maybe those door busters that were that were so popular, um, they're still out there. They certainly are, but there may be a little bit less reliance on those um, as a way to entice customers to come in uh, to kick off the holiday season as they did in the past. What do you expect the popular types of items to be this year? Well, we always know that they're, they're pretty traditional. The things you probably can expect, you know, the clothing and accessories, uh, uh, gift cards, books, music, um, you know, uh, um, for kids, toys and, and video games. Um, the traditional kind of holiday shopping season things that you see uh, will probably once again be, you know, back on, on, on the top of the list of where people, uh, what people buy. What we're concerned most about, what we want to talk uh, most about is having having the ability to come to Connecticut and stay in Connecticut, do your shopping. So whatever needs you want have and any uh, shopping that you want to do, you could do right here uh, in our state. You don't have to leave, uh, and you certainly don't have to go on the internet to get it. So all the things that are uh, popular for the holiday season, as I mentioned, clothing and gift cards and and uh, accessories and music game, music and video games and toys for your kids and all those things. You can get all those with, with, the, with the thousands of great retailers we have right here in our state. In your view, what are some of the advantages still to the brick-and-mortar store? When you're shopping for certain items, it seems you want to be able to try them on. You want to be able to, to touch them, see how they, they look in person, right? I think you just nailed it. That's it exactly. I think that the um, you know the more a customer could come in and have a you know a sense of community as well as that they're going out and seeing neighbors and uh, friends and other human beings rather than just seeing a, 
a computer screen. And then they also can look at the product. They can test it out. They can feel it, as you mentioned. You can touch it. You can see if this, uh, you know, an, an apparel, you can see if it, if it really looks good in person as opposed to what you might, you know, see online or the gadget that you're going to buy. You could see how it works um, in person rather than seeing it online. There's a lot of advantages to getting in and getting out, being part of a community and doing part of the, you know, the whole holiday spirit that, that takes place uh, during during this time of the year. With the, the growth of online retailing, how have traditional retailers stepped up their game and changed their strategy to continue to attract customers? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think they've done it in a, in a couple of different ways. Number one, I think they've acknowledged that there is a presence online that they have to deal with. So they, in many way, many cases, have created their own online presence as well. And number two, I think they've taken... Um, a much more focused um, attention to customer service because they know the, uh, that the customer has many, many different options uh, to do their shopping. So then when they come into their store, customer service has to be um, front and center better than ever. And I think um, that and, you know, the idea that you know, they are part of the community and the fabric of the neighborhood and the downtowns, and they've tried – uh, I think in the, in the smaller independent retailer tried to make that big part of their holiday pitch. Hey, we're part of this community. Come on in and and do your holiday shopping here at this store. There has been a lot of doom and gloom recently in the news about traditional retailers having a tough time of it. Sears comes to mind, but there are certain retailers out there that are seeing an increase in sales and seem to have found that combination between in-store and online to make it work. No doubt about it. There, I mean, to be in retail today, if you're a national retailer or if you're a local retailer, is extremely challenging. But I think we've overblown a little bit the threat to the brick-and-mortar retailer. I think that uh, personally that um, those that are still in business today and that will remain in business are exceptional retailers, and they work extremely hard um, to get products to customers, have good customer experience, good customer service. Now, nationally, there's going to be challenges. There always are. Um, You mentioned one particular national retailer. That retailer's been challenged for a long time, and they're still in business, Um, and they're doing so. They're doing something right, and I think every year we there's challenges to national retailers. As to how many stores they can uh, they can continue to support, um, and, and and I think that's just part of the the new economy that we're that we're under, but uh, that we that we deal with. And I think independent retailers certainly face that challenge, but they're much more focused uh, today. Even though the challenges today, because they're up against online retailers, is greater than they've ever had. I think in many ways they're better at their game now than they have been in a very long time. We're known as the land of steady habits. Do you see the trends nationally mirroring what's happening in Connecticut, or is it a little different? No, I think, I mean, in that respect, I think we're probably similar to national. I mean, I mean, you know, customers have options now. They have much more, um, many more choices. So therefore, um, and that's true throughout the country. I mean, um, you know, it's just as easy as somebody in Idaho to go online to buy something that it is for someone in Connecticut. So um, all retailers have to are facing that challenge. And I think, you know, I'm particularly proud of our retailers in Connecticut who have stepped up their game and are facing that challenge. Now, we wish we didn't have to face the unfair, unlevel 
playing field that online retailers have versus brick-and-mortar retailers, and we continue to push hard for Congress to level the playing field. But until that happens, um, it just means that we have a much more challenging time, and, and I think our I know uh, the, the members that we represent are up for that challenge. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Tim Phelan. He is president of the Connecticut Retail Merchants Association. Talking about some of those disadvantages that brick-and-mortar retailers face, if you are an online retailer with no presence in a state, technically you don't have to collect sales tax for that state. Is that one of the disadvantages you're talking about? Yeah, that is, in a nutshell, exactly the disadvantage, and that's un unfair um, in many in, in so many different ways um, but that's exactly the problem let's uh, we won't give any online retailers a plug on this show let's just say that the brick and mortar retailer um, has fixed costs uh, they have local taxes they have to pay they have state taxes they have to collect and remit and they don't uh, the, the online retailer uh, does not have that so therefore their pricing may be different and um, and sometimes in, in, in times when consumers are looking to save and get value, um, that differential is enough to move a sale from a brick-and-mortar retailer to an online retailer. Um, so, again, it goes back to what I was trying to say earlier, that our members, our brick-and-mortar retailer members, have to work even harder to get that customer in their store, give them a good customer experience, so that they'll leave with a sale and want to come back. And... Uh, and ignore the um, the perceived advantage of getting, or real advantage of getting something from a purely online retailer. Talk about some of the efforts that Connecticut has taken to help level the playing field. We're limited. Um, the legislature and the and the governor is limited in what they can do. Really, um, it's a congressional. It's really congressional action. Um, but we've done some things over the years that um, affiliates of online retailers, those organizations that um, sort of our um, sponsors, let's say, of an online retailer, uh, they now um, are linked in a, in, a, in a fashion that makes for a physical presence. Uh, so if you were a you know local organization that was an affiliate of a purely online retailer, uh, the Connecticut changed the law that said, well, now that, that creates a nexus. So therefore, that online retailer has to collect um, sales tax. And that's about that's about all we can do. Other than I know, um, you know, our commissioner of DRS, uh, Commissioner Sullivan, along with the Malloy administration, have been extremely helpful and aggressive in trying to help our um, retailers uh, uh, compete by you know forcing as best they can online retailers to collect and remit sales tax. But again. You know, they're limited in what they can do because Congress um, has failed to take action. And there is a U.S. Supreme Court precedent that says, you know, uh, if, if you're a purely online retailer, if you're a remote seller, uh, you don't have to collect and remit sales tax. In fact, a number of states, including Connecticut, are asking the U.S. Supreme Court, as you mentioned, to take another look at this because the last time the courts really weighed in, Online retailing did not exist. No, it was it was catalog retailers. If you remember, it was the remote sellers back uh, back on the Quill decision. And yes, I mean uh, our attorney general and our DRS and 
um, and the Malloy administration as a whole have been very supportive of those efforts that are taking place now to try to get the Supreme Court to hear another case about you know, online retailers. We think it's critically important, um, and we think it's a, it's a simple decision. Just level the playing field. Make the rules the same for everybody. You shouldn't have two sets of rules in the same game. You mentioned that the Retail Merchants Association represents retailers at the state capitol. What is on your legislative wish list in Connecticut? What can be done to help improve the environment for retailers? Well, we're we um, we're businesses uh, similar to every other type of business, so we want to do everything we can to have a healthy uh, business climate in Connecticut. So that means we will need to get stable. Um, uh, budget issues in Connecticut. We want to make sure that we get our deficits under control. We want to see growth back in the economy because if there is growth in Connecticut's economy and employers are hiring people, it goes back to our point in the beginning of the show where we talk about consumer confidence. So greatest consumer confidence is when a consumer or uh, a person has a job that gives them great um, confidence. So we're very supportive of efforts to try to create a healthy business um, environment in Connecticut. We want companies to come and uh, create jobs, expand jobs, and stay here. We also want to look at, we also look every year at things like the sales tax. We want to make sure that the Connecticut sales tax remains competitive with its surrounding, with our surrounding states. So right now we're we're not. Right now, uh, Massachusetts and and Rhode Island and New York um, have more favorable, and uh, certainly New Hampshire, that's a little bit further away from us, have more favorable sales tax uh, com- um, environments than Connecticut does. But we're, we we want to maintain that. We don't want the sales tax to go up. And we want to just create an environment that um, businesses feel he- uh, ha- welcome to work and expand here because, as I mentioned, they're going to they're gonna hire people and those people are going to go, presumably are going to go out and uh, go shop and eat and buy groceries and, and uh, stay here in Connecticut. I know you don't represent a lot of grocers, but do you have any thoughts about Amazon buying Whole Foods and really entering the the brick and mortar market, lock, stock, and barrel? Well, um, yeah, we don't. You're right. the The grocery industry has a great represent representative association, and they can speak for them for themselves on it. I would just say that you know Amazon um, is a tremendous retailer. Um, they, they are now in Connecticut collecting and remitting sales tax because of a couple of different, um, uh, uh, distribution centers they have in Connecticut, which gives them that physical presence. And certainly their purchase of Whole Foods, um, is another challenge to our Connecticut grocers. Um, but one thing about retail and, and I'm sure the grocers would admit, uh, would agree to this. And I know our members do, it's never, um, without a challenge in any environment, than the, the, the they're in. I mean, two or three generations ago, Sears and Roebuck was a challenge to the local retailer, and they had to adjust to that. A generation ago, Walmart came into the market, was a challenge to uh, local retailers. Home Depot, another challenge to the local retailers. So you're always seeing these challenges, and somehow, uh, because they're really smart people and they're really committed 
to their businesses and chasing their dreams and 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 and, and providing top-notch service and products to customers, the independent retailer thrives. And I think, yes, Amazon will come in. They purchased Whole Foods, but the local grocer still has that advantage in some ways over them because they are local. They're connected to their community. They know their customer base. They know what their customers want, and they provide exceptional customer service. So that gives them the chance to compete and, in many cases, thrive in this market. In some cases, you see traditional retailers working with Amazon, selling their items on the website. So is it a dilemma between doing that or just not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's in, in a decision in, in each individual retailer has to make about how they want to how they want to commit, but you're, you're, you're right. We've had members of ours that are, that are on the Amazon marketplace and that are doing well. They're shipping now out of state. They're getting customers beyond Connecticut. So again, you have to do what you have to do in today's um, retail environment to survive and to, um, you know, um, keep your business going. So perhaps there's a dilemma in some cases and perhaps it's not. It depends. Um, some retailers see it as not a dilemma, but just a part of delivering for customers. Notice this year the holiday creep in stores. I it was at least October, perhaps even late September, when I saw Christmas trees oh, ah, starting on. to to show up in, in some of the larger yeah. retailers. Right. Do retailers do research on this, and when is the best time to to roll out the holiday merchandise? Well, well this is a theme that's been going on for the last you know a, a while now. People will say that re, uh, holiday creep. One thing we have to keep in mind is that in nationally, retailers have lots of stores they have to build out for the holiday season, and it's a big, big part of their year. So um, they have to be ready for it. So in order to do that, maybe they start a little bit early uh, to get their um, get their stores lined up and in place, so that when the customer comes in um, on, on on Black Friday or whenever they come in, they're ready to roll. I don't know if it's been any. I mean, I know as I said, it's been. Bit of a common uh, complaint over the years. I'm not sure it's any creeping up any sooner than it has. Um, maybe you're just noticing it a little bit more this year. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, but I think generally retailers are excited for the holiday season and they want to get their customers excited for the holiday season. And so what's wrong with seeing a Christmas tree around when? October? What's wrong with that? They might so, entice people to buy more too, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe maybe just get some in the holiday spirit. That's all. I know we just wrapped up really a legislative session with the whole budget right. battle. What's on your radar for next year? We want to keep an eye on what they're on how this budget that was just uh, you mentioned the put sales together. tax. So we certainly want to keep sales tax. I think um, we want to watch for any environmental issues that take place. Recycling is a big um, product. What's so called product stewardship issues, where uh, um, from cradle to grave, a product that is uh, manufactured and shipped to a retailer and then purchased by the customer and then the um, and disposed of the cus- of the customer along the way there's a lot of involvement um, that takes place between the manufacturer the retailer and the customer and we're in, because we're in the middle of that sometimes um, fees are added to for disposal and things like that so we keep an eye on those environmental issues we have um, loss prevention um, issues where we want to make sure that we stay ahead, one step ahead of the, the bad guys when they're trying to, you know, create false um, receipts or they do organized retail crime. So we have plenty of issues that take place um, beyond just taxes and and uh, business climate issues that we 
we deal with retailers are involved in human resource issues, labor issues. Um, they're involved in a lot of different things. With the loss prevention issue, it seems that the technology has gotten better. And on one side of the coin, that helps because it's easier to, to catch the, the criminals. But on the other side, they're more advanced now. Yeah, it really has been. Um, in my time with the retail industry, it's, it's been over 20 years, it has really expanded and exploded in many of these companies that their attention to um, you know loss prevention or internal theft they used to call it, you know, uh, shrinkage and stuff. It's beyond that now. Now, organized retail crime, two or three more or more people working uh, together um, is an e- enormous challenge for, for retailers. Uh, and you had mentioned technology. Technology's exploded in all parts of our life, and it has particularly impacted the retail industry as well. So, uh, it can, you know, in security breaches and in, um, as, I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, a little bit of, you know, um, receipts and um, just the use of technology for um, uh, theft has been an extreme challenge for us. He is Tim Phelan, president of the Connecticut Retail Merchants Association. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Well, thank you for having me and Shop Connecticut. Don't forget, it's a a great place to do all your Christmas shopping. You don't have to go anywhere. All the national retailers are here. All the state and local retailers are ready for you. So stay within Connecticut. Do all your shopping here. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.